Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today it's a WNR 317. We are catching up with AEW, bringing you an NXT update, watching Aya vs. Volta, and looking at Survivor Series 2020 and The Untaker's Farewell. But we start with news, and on to arrivals. Now, Becky Lynch left WWE over the summer after announcing her pregnancy in Raw, and it sounds like a new arrival isn't far away. The former women's champion who is expecting her first child will smack down superstar Seth Rollins has revealed a baby bump in a stunning photo shoot long fiancé. Sharing a series of snaps on Instagram, the man simply wrote, Coming soon. Although Seth and Becky haven't confirmed the due date, he's thought that the Messiah is set for a break before the end of the year. And as you see with the pictures, it's her in a black dress and a white dress. And I tell you what, she is looking fantastic. And there's a lot of rumours about her coming back. Uh, in time for the Royal Rumble in January, but we shall see. And another arrival, John Moxley and Renee Young are expecting their first child. Uh, she's going by a real name, Renee Paquette, now. She announced it on Thursday on Instagram. They met while working together with WWE and were married in April 2017. So again, another one of a couple. And, uh, you know, well done and uh, congratulations. And let's hope the baby is nice and healthy. And after arrivals, we move on to departures, and WWE have announced the release of Zelina Vega. Well, as recently as last month, Vega was considered one of WWE's rising stars. She wrestled Oscar for the Royal Women's Championship at Clash of Champions in late September, losing the match but attacking the champ in the aftermath, finally receiving an opportunity in-ring wrestler after working primarily as a manager. Vega, 29-year-old Fiat Trinidad, has proven herself one of WWE's most talented and versatile performers since the summer of 2017, especially so in the months following WrestleMania 36. But values to the company do not exempt it from a controversial new company-wide edict handed down by Vincent Mann earlier this fall, banning performers from using platforms like Twitch and Cameo to supplement their income. But Mann threatened that those who are non-compliant with the new restrictions would be subject to a fine or outright dismissal. And the Trinidad was the first casualty. So how did we arrive at this point when Trinidad, who's considered a valuable piece in both W's present and future, is no longer a part of the company? More than just non-compliant about new company policy, she directly challenged WWE early smart by opening an account on OnlyFans, a site that allows talent to directly interact with their fans. Trinidad's account features exclusive videos and photos of cosplay, lingerie, swimsuits and more for a monthly $30. WWE specifically McMahon considered this a breach of contract and responded by terminating Trinidad's contract. Sources close to WWE informed Sports Illustrated that following discussions regarding Twitch, Upper management felt Trinidad boxed them in in a difficult situation by opening the and unpopular as this new policy is among talent. Trinidad's dismissal serves as a sobering reminder that the new policy is going to be strictly enforced. Like we said, she's an active streamer on Twitch, another site including WWE's list of banned third-party platforms. Multiple active W stars had a presence on Twitch, including Asia Styles and Cesaro. One option for talent remains on sites like Twitch was to share their account with WWE and make only a fraction of the profit, leaving a significant portion. Unsurprisingly, this has not been well received option. For this is a chance to better monetize the streaming world as well as profit off stars created within WWE. But for Trinidad as well as W personality Paige, who has been extremely vocal about independently maintaining a Twitch account, it is infringing upon her ability to make money on a platform built outside of WWE. She's also said that she's going to support unionization of wrestlers, which has never been a popular thing. And then Alistair Black recently requested his return to NXT and has had the denied. 
Well, Black Ave continues to end on Twitter following her departure, and she said, I want to say thank you very much for the last three to four years at the WWE Universe. It was incredible. We've never been able to say this is for you, Dad, if certain people did not believe in me. I love you all, and I couldn't have done it without your support. It's a shame what's happened to Vega, but I think the thing is, with Vince McMahon's Darth Vader-like grip, it's going to be difficult to kind of get away from this. And uh, I think it's up to the talent to decide, can we make more money elsewhere? Apparently so, that's what Vega was saying. She's making more money through OnlyFans and Twitch than she was in WWE. If that's the case, then, you know, fair play to her. But what is the future of the Thunderdome? Well, WWE will bring its world-class viewing experience, WWE Thunderdome, to Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay as it begins a new residency started with SmackDown December the 11th. The Tampa Bay Rays are excited to welcome WWE for its residency and to shine a spotlight on the Tampa Bay area for W fans around the world, said Matt Silverman, Tampa Bay Rays president. The ballpark will be transformed to host a spectacle WWE Thunderdome, allowing fans to enjoy this wildly popular experience virtually. The move to Tampa Bay marks the next iteration of Thunderdome, which launched to a critical acclaim in August as part of WWE's first ever residency at the Amway Center in Orlando. We'll see the art set, video boards, pyrotechnics layers, cutting-edge graphics, and drone cameras. Um, we've seen it on SmackDown, Raw, and of course the pay-per-views, and it won the uh, Sportel Award for Best Virtual Fan. I'm glad the Thunderdome's uh, continuing. Obviously, we'd love fans back in the arena. And, of course, AEW have had a few fans here and there. And it's 43,000 capacity at the stadium that they're moving into. And it's going to host the Royal Rumble. So maybe there is a chance. But, like I said, WWE are following the the rules at this moment in time. We'll move on to injuries. And Chelsea Green suffered a broken wrist during her SmackDown debut on Friday two weeks ago. And underwent on Saturday. She tweeted the following regarding the situation. And of course, Green's fiance, former superstar Zack Ryder, tweeted about Green as well with the rollercoaster journey she has been on WWE thus far. We saw on SmackDown she made a surprise appearance backstage after a promo segment between this. This is supposed to be a triple threat match between Natty Tamina and Liv Morgan with a winner and a spot at the Spice Series Women's Immolation match. But Green was added to make it a fatal four way. After getting dropped, kicked off the apron by Morgan just seconds into the match, Green wasn't seen the rest of the way. And Morgan scored the victory to join Bianca Blair. And Ruby Wright with two teeth. Smackdown. That marks the 29 row's first match since team with Charlotte Flair against Ia Shy and Ray Ripley on NXT May. Move on to 205 Live and a very special episode. November 13th is the 205th episode on the WNR. We followed 205 Live from the very first episode. Uh, and of course, since it's, it's just dropped down a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But we're going to cover this episode. We see footage from the 2016 Cruiserweight Classic, along with clips of the best of 205 Live since its inception later that year. Vic Joseph narrates the video package, which highlights some of the division's champion Kendrick, Murphy, Tazawa, and the current title holder, Santos Escobar. Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness welcome us to the 205th edition of 205 Live from the Capital Wrestling Centre. Tony Nice makes his way to the ring for the programme's one matchup, which is a fatal five way to determine a new number one contender for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. His opponents are Davari, Ashante, the Adonis, Kurt Stallion, and August Gray. Now, this wasn't a bad match. Of course, uh, 205 Live is, is quite known now for the fatal five-way matches or the five-way elimination matches that they've had to either determine the champion or number one contender throughout time. And it was nice to see Davari and Nice. And, of course, Nice would have probably made it on the main roster, maybe, or elsewhere if he had 
just a slightly bit more personality. I think we've seen that lacking from him in, uh, of course, Davari has been an ever-present. And, of course, we got to see, uh, like I say, August Gray and Kurt Stallion. And, uh, you know, I, I think with August Gray, he might not be a cruiserweight if he can kind of build his upper body and his look a little bit more. But there's no doubt he's got a lot of talent. The same with Kurt Stallion as well, just coming into it. And... Um, 25 Live has changed a lot, obviously, since the very first episode. You can see that will have set uh, in the Capital Wrestling Center with the yellow ropes now. Uh, and then it's kind of, you know, has the Cruiserweight Championship ever been taken really seriously in its run? Uh, I don't think so. Is it the time for 205 Live? To be spry- to be fair, I was surprised that it's it's still going at this point in time. Maybe the 205th episode would have been a nice time to just wrap things up, especially if... Um, we're going to talk about later as well for another uh, cruiserweight championship has been created. Then that offers um, another program that can deal with it. Uh, but I, I think it was not a bad match. I mean, here's some of the highlights. The Adonis slides to the outside and allows the other four men to go out. Dvari and Nice, blindside, standing in the grey. But the newcomers managed to fight the veterans off and clear the ring. We see Adonis and Dvari begin brawling at ringside while Gray and Nice trade shots in the centre of the ring. Gray lands a series of strikes, but Nice cuts them off for a running elbow strike. He slows the place down by applying a headlock to Gray. Adonis sneaks behind and tosses Dvari and puts Nice in a sleeper. Nice manages to create separation. He bounces off the ropes. Adonis sends him to the outside. Dvari sends out Adonis. Stanion levels Dvari with a German suplex, a corner dropkick and a pop-up DDT. And suddenly the Bollywood boys come out and attack Gray. Adonis and Gray manage to fight them off, but Ever-Rise runs to the ring and pounds him down. Stanion headbutts Martel out of the ring, leaving Parker alone with the baby faces. They lever him with the right hand, suicide dive, and ever rise, and the Bollywood boys are taken out. Dvari grabs the gold chain and rocks Adonis. He looks like he's won it, but Gray breaks out from the outside. Stallion and Nice end up on the top row. Reverse Spanish fly. That will do it. Kurt Stallion wins by Finpool to become a new number contender for the Cruiserweight Championship. Very surprising. There was a couple of things Stallion did in this match that I really enjoyed. Even the stomping of the foot to bring him up for the DDT in the corner as well, chipping the leg down. How many times do you see someone getting eyes ripped into the ropes and then them falling into position like with a stink face? Uh, he makes that happen. And I think there's a lot of potential. He does look, I mean, like if, if Adam Page was starting out, just now, and he suffered a big cut above his eye as well, which, you know, it was dangerous for him. He gets his moment. Is he a legitimate threat for Santos Escobar? No. And I think at the problem of the Cruiserweight title, you need a legitimate threat because Santos will see on NXT Update later that he is a very dominant champion. All right, we move on to AEW. And last time we were in AEW, it was for full gear. Well, let's have a look at the last couple of weeks. And Dynamite received massive hype from President Tony Khan, who promised massive surprises are on the way. AEW Dynamite featured MJF's induction into the Inner Circle, live appearances from World Heavyweight Champion John Moxley and number one contender Kenny Omega. And the main event featured a rematch between Ray Phoenix and Pentel Silla. AEW also made headlines for Cody's confrontation with Jade Cargill, who won with a forthcoming appearance for NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal. But AEW Dynamite main event segment also saw the return of Pac. I mean, the main event was, was pretty spectacular between these two brothers as well, and Eddie Kingston on commentary playing it off perfectly at the end of the match coming out and basically saying, look, you don't need Phoenix anymore. We're best friends. That's what makes this us work. And then the return of the bastard pack after eight months. He comes back. 
and confronts Eddie Kingston. Uh, and uh, that brings us so much. Because Pac is a guy, he's had to set the sideline for so long. We saw the death triangle and what it was. And Eddie Kingston's come in and kind of stolen his limelight. Uh, the confrontation stopped by uh, referees and security. And it was, I think it was a good way to end. Um, there's a couple of things, though. And, and dove down against coverage, of course, of the presidential election. Uh, with 717,000 for AEW and NXT had 610,000. And AEW rather surprisingly announced that Kenny Omega will be facing John Moxley for the AEW World Championship on the December 2nd. And this would be saved for a pay-per-view, maybe Revolution in February. Uh, but may, many speculated that this was because John Moxley would be able to drop the title and then he could return to NJPW for January and defend the IWGP US Championship against Kenta. Or while this might have played a part of it, Meltzer is reporting that Tony Khan wanted the match to take place in three weeks for a totally different... The whole point of it was to give Dynamite a boost for the next few months. He's wanting something really big to kick off December and January. And this certainly makes sense. There's some big TV specials planned for the next few months. Tony Khan revealed during a post-Full Gear media call details about a special show coming in January. Interestingly, though... Meltzer also revealed that Omega vs. Moxie coming out of full gear wasn't always the plan. Nothing that originally AEW had the champion defending against the AEW star as a top feud. And apparently that was going to be um, Lance Archer. But at the moment in time, things have changed. So we concentrate on the November 18th edition of Dynamite. We see the Young Bucks versus Top Flight, Darius and Dante Martin. And uh, we see the continued beatdown of Top Flight with double-team offense. Dante snaps off a head scissors on Matt Lowe, makes a tag. Darius hits a standard Spanish flyer, Matt. And then Top Flight Land dives to the floor as the crowd comes alive. In the ring, Dante Howard comes on his mat off the middle rope. He answered with a spear low. Nick punts the rise from the apron. The Young Bucks hit an assisted sliced bread on Dante for a near fall. Dante almost rolls up Matt but falls victim to the BTE trigger. And the Young Bucks pick up the win in nine minutes. And after the match, Jack Evans and Angelico attack Dante until the Young Bucks make the save. Well, the inner circle is in Las Vegas. And they're showing playing blackjack with MJF stealing Sammy's blackjack hand. Ortiz and Sammy are generally very skeptical of MJF. Wardlow and Jack Hager aren't getting along either. MJF and Jericho attempt to one-up each other with a drink order in a similar way to the steak dinner. Conan makes the cameo and gives the inner circle drugs. They are clearly imitating the hangover. Wardlow and Hager start beating up bouncers. It's to be continued. We see John Moxley cutting a promo in the back. He tells a story about his dad picking him up from a police station. Moxley says that he's the good guy. He has a lot on his plate right now, but Kenny Omega doesn't scare him. He also reveals that his wife, Renee Young, is pregnant. Moxley claims that he's the best wrestler in the world. We then get Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian. Of course, Miro is on commentary with trade control of a side headlock, and Sabian won't allow OC to put his hands into his pockets. OC tries a head scissors but falls victim to a side slam, but he connects with a drop kick to get his hands in his pockets and follows with a dive to the floor. Sabian... Rolls to the apron, but slips on the springboard. He covers it with a 2K1 bomb for a near fall. OC fights off a swigging net breaker, but runs into a knee strike for the face. OC traps Sabian in the orange hook for the victory. And after the match, Miro attacks OC. Chuck Taylor and Trent quickly make the save. And then we see Tony Schiavone is in the ring for the contract signing. Kenny Maker now has his usual elaborate entrance. John Moxley's music plays, but he doesn't come out. Cameras backstage show Moxley laid out with staff checking on him. Omega says last time it was Moxley's elbow and it's happened again. Omega signs the contract and leaves the ring. 
Part two of the Inner Circle in Vegas. Jericho makes a toast and welcomes Elvis to the Inner Circle. MJF makes an impassioned speech about how he appreciates everyone. Cameras cut to a hotel room with Jericho and Elvis in the same bed. It's morning and everyone is hungover. Sammy's written on MJF's face with a sharpie. There are three references here where I frankly do not understand. Jericho and Santana find Swoggle in a diaper as the segment ends. Hey, that's entertainment. And now up next, it's Pac versus Blade. We see Eddie Kingston join the commentary. We are going to watch it. Uh, his first match in 252 days. And let's see if he's got any of that so-called ring rust. Oh my God, right out the gates. Pat comes flying with a basement drop kick. And the blade's in serious trouble. Well, it's great to see Pat back. Like we say, eight months away. Of course, the Magnificent Seven had to be postponed because of it. Now Pack to the outside and sending the blade into Barry Cade. And Pack looks incredible. There's no doubt about that. Talked about 205 Live earlier. Calls former Cruiserweight Champion, former NXT Champ. And again, sending the blade into Barry K. And now Pack off the top. Another basement drop kick. Nips up. I don't think he's broke a sweat yet. Oh, but Pack rolls the outside. The butcher distracting him. Giving Blade a chance to hit a baseball slide. And now a bit of payback sending Pack into Barry Cade. And I see Bunny cheering on as well. Blade now picking up. Pack and dropping him a little bit early. Hit the top rope there. Well, Blade sending Pack to the outside. Pack springs back in. Takes him down. Didn't look effective. Pack now Irish whip. Sending Blade into the corner. Pack now with big kicks. But the bunny. And gut wrench power bomb. But no, can't keep Pack down. Well, we go to an advert. It looks like the Blade's still on top. At the moment, just taunting Pack with slaps and little kicks. But the bastard back up. Nice forearm shots, and now both men just trading now. And now Blade down, Pack going up. We're going to see Black Arrow, maybe. Then the bunny up, distracting referee. Butcher comes in, gets caught with a huge super kick. Blade going for the roll-ups, got the tights. Now Pack managing to get out of it. Gets the boot up, and Eddie Kingston on commentary, worried about his men. And now Pack going up. We're going to see it. Shooting star press, absolutely beautiful, into the brutalizer. What a mutilator he is. And Pack gets the win. Keeps it in the blade just a little bit longer. And it's good to see Pack back. And what a victory that was for him. And Pack gets the victory. And after the match, Butcher attacks Pack. But Kingston joins in and taunts him. Ray Phoenix comes to make the save but falls victim to the numbers game. Penta eventually comes out with a chair. He shows indecision but runs off Kingston and company. Death Triangle is reunited. And what a team. This will be backstage. We see Jade Cargill was attacked. Brandy Rhodes, Nyla Rose held back staff and pretending to a big swell event. Brandy's age. The NWA Women's World Title on the line. Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa. They trade control on the mat, and Deeb tries a pin combination to a no avail. A strike exchange raises the intensity. Rosa hits a body slam and a senton. We see Deeb answering with a net break in the ropes and hits a spear on the apron. Rosa fires back with a German suplex and a missile drop cook. Sidden deep to the floor. Reba appears at ringside. Britt Baker hits a net break on Rose on the apron. This allowed Powerbomb for a near fall. Deeb locks in a crucifix, but Razor breaks free and connects with a double stomp. They trade strikes and roll ups. Deeb hits an arm catcher pedigree to retain her title. Rosa attacks Baker after the match and throws her into the barricade. Referees have pulled Rosa off the Baker. The crowd chant, let them fight. We see John Silver and Anna Jay cut probe in the back. Brody Lee is demanded that Anna Jay receive a shot at Hiroku Shida next week. Also next week, Pac 
and Rats against the Butcher and the Blade, Will Hobbs in action, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Our main event is Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin. Taz is on commentary. Darby and Starks have each other's offense scouted. They slap each other in the face and start brawling. Cage hits a bat break on Cody but eats a drop kick. Cody lands a moonsault off the top rope. Taz moves to the ringside as we go to commercial. Back from break, Cage and Starks working over Cody. During the break, Arn Anderson got ejected and involved after Taz interfered. Cody fights his way to tagging Darby, who clears house. Cage German suplexes Darby, who inverted German suplex Starks. Cody runs into Spear for Starks. Cage powerbombs Darby and falls victim to a code red. All four men down. Cody hits crossroads on Stark. Cage super gets Cody and hits an Olympic slam. He follows up with a super drill claw on Darby for the win. Your win is Brian Cage and Ricky Starks and then Team Taz attack Darby and Cody after the match. Will Hobbs comes out to make the save. Hobbs picks up the FTW title and hits Cody. Hobbs has joined Team Taz and the episode ends with Team Taz standing tall. And yes, Ultimate One, you did call that and we will be bringing you an AEW kind of roundup and end of year in December. We'll be discussing everything that's happened on Dynamite and Paper Year. And another collaboration we do is the Mind of Monty podcast and he has said he's on board to do in the NXT in December. We had some huge news in NXT so we're going to bring you an NXT update. There's three episodes but there was a huge upset so let's get started. November 4th we see Vic Joseph working off to CWC as we are first competitor arrives but first we get a spooky recap of Halloween Havoc. Our first match is Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai. And Raquel Gonzalez is out with Kai. Moon with a quick takedown. She works the arm. But Dakota turns the tables and they look evenly matched in the mat game. Ember shows her for new attitude in response to some trash talk from Kiwi. Shoving her down and hitting a step up back senton. Big head kick for Dakota. But a code breaker off the bottom gets a near fall for Ember. They brawl on the knees but Moon bails Kai in by offering a cheek and locking in a crossface, they roll through pinning predicaments and Dakota grabs the bad arm and stretches a shoulder. Moon inches her way over to the toe on the rope, but Kai inflicts punishment during a five count. More trash talk from Kai fires Ember up. Fists and knees are followed by a hip attack in the corner and a hip toss. Moon climbs for a finisher and Gonzalez runs in for the distraction. That allows Kai to hit an elevated go-to kick and Dakota Kai defeats Ember Moon. Quite a surprise there. We see Mackenzie Mitchell catch up with Cameron Grimes in the locker room. He's still seeing ghosts, or should I say zombies, after last week. He disputes that the Haunted House of Terror was even a match and tells her tonight he's going to cave in Kushida. Referee comes up behind him telling him he's next and he gets spooked off and runs off. After some ads, Mitchell talks to Shotzi Blackheart. She puts over her hand-picked opponent. It's a huge test for her while she's the May Young Classic winner. Welcome to the ball pit, Tony. We then get Kushida versus Cameron Grimes and Grimey's in the ring as Kushida enters and we're off. Cameron retreats away from the aggressive Japanese superstar but he might be more worried about zombies than his opponent. Kushida targets Grimes' left arm and retains as he holds a North Carolinian, rolls out and looks for a counter. A flurry ends with a drop kick and insecurity for Cameron dodges a charge. Crossbody off the top gets two, two, but takes too long on a follow-up and they trade counters until Grimes hits a sit-out powerbomb. He sets Kushida up in the corner, but ends up crotched on the top rope. Right hand to the jaw, and then bulldogs him off the top into the hoverboard lock. You get a kick to the shoulder, but he goes for the arm as he trapped the ref in the corner. A follow-up bump sends the official to the floor to Mrs. Grimes, tapping out to the hoverboard lock. Cameron hits a Spanish fly that gets free, but still no official. The referee runs in, is a zombie ref, and that freaks Grimesy out. 
and that allows Kushida to grab his arm and get the win. We see a video interview from Tony Storm. She's flat shots he picked her, but tonight she's using Blackheart to show off the new Tony Storm as a stepping stone to the title. After break, women's champ Io Shai gets a video. She says she has one challenge left in NXT to face Ray Ripley one-on-one -on -one for the title. Io's not afraid of the nightmare. And then Kenny and Dane address ever eyes. Dane lets their music play during the entrance. And Chase Parker and Matt Martell in the ring already and we're off. They send Martell to the floor and use actual tandem moves on Parker for a near fall. When Matt tries to get involved, Drake puffs out his chest at him, which lets Chase attack him from behind. The heels isolate Maverick and work him over. He manages to evade the charge and pull down the rope on Parker, but instead of tagging his partner, he drops an axe handle smash on Chase. As that's happening, we see an SUZ... SUV pull up outside. It's the Pat McAfee posse. They make their way inside and Pete Dunn only Orc and Danny Birch attack while Pat grabs the camera and films it. And Killing Dane and Drake Maverick as everybody's ends in no contest, I guess. McAfee turns the camera around, tells the boys to smile if they're the greatest four team ever in wrestling history. Everyone does except Pete and we go to a break. When we return, Pat's on the stick for a standard promo. What makes them different is that they're not a bunch of scumbags, they're men of class. So it's only right that they pay tribute to the previous shed over NXT. They hang the Undisputed Era's banner in the rafters tonight to commemorate the run they ended. McAfee gets his version of the era's history, talk about how they were all over with stupid, stupid people in the NXT universe. He kicks it to Dunn to tie in the participation to when Roderick Strong turned him to join the Undisputed. Roddy well, taught him to trust the ring people. Pat says that's them. And the last week he gave Kyle O'Reilly a taste of his own medicine. McAfee says the undisputed ever got greedy. And Danny and Oni chime in to say they were overlooked combined years in the business. Pat promises the era will never touch their belts again. When undisputed reigned until they ran into one man, him. He talks about how he took them down. They lowered a rafter thingy, but Pat says the group is a democracy, so he's having second thoughts about raising the era banner and polls the group on whether they should do it or throw it in the trash. You know how the vote goes. McAfee gets a little speech, then Pete douses it in light fluid and sets it on fire. He runs down the fans and signs off, we're the greatest, you suck, cheers. They head out the way they come in. He stops for one last promo before getting in the SVU. V and here comes Dane. He lays into Pat, but the boys come to the rescue. They beat him down, and Dunn kicks the car door on his head. McAfee's a little shocked, but said he likes it, and they'll talk about it later. One more time with a sign off, and after they drive, Killian grabbing his mouth, laying in what looks like a pool of blood. Well, Johnny Gagano with a dinner table promo. He says there's a lot of rumours about him now that are wrong, like he hates wheels. He runs down his list of accolades, then gets a call for Ghostface, who said he's in the house, but the camera pulls back and he says, Yeah, I know, you're right here next to me. They finish the board game, Johnny wins, and he says next week he breaks his curse of short title reigns, Garner leaves, and we don't get a reveal. Our next match is Tony Storm versus Shotzi Blackheart. Blackheart arrives without a tank and is not happy. She shoves Tony at the bell, and so much for a friendly competition. Wade Barrett informs up Shotzi thinks Storm took a tank. The action is a little sloppy at the start, but he announces a tribute to emotion. We see Tony's power game help her regain control, and she gets two off a pair of German suplexes. Shotzi returns fire with Sato suplex, and then Storm hits a stiff-looking headbutt, and Blackheart barely kicks out. The ref checks on her as Tony climbs and Shotzi springs up to pull her down. They back from either side of the ropes and Blackheart leaps over the top to DDT Storm on the apron. Both women are down on the floor. Blackheart breaks the count at eight and Candice Ray shows up on the Tron and she's in a tank in the middle of the road. Shotzi's confused and Storm from behind and Storm defeats Shotzi Blackheart. Well, Ray promised to stay with the tank but she's not sure how much longer she can do it. She keeps hearing cars like this one. 
Candace stops the pick pickup truck and gets into it. She tells Shotzi this is what happens when she puts her nose in other people's business and she runs over the tank. The camera pans back up to the truck and Ghostface is there with the ray. She tells Blackheart they're even and drives off. A distraught Blackheart breaks down in the ring we've been told earlier in the tank was a connection to a family member in the military seas. Storm checks on her as we get to a commercial. Earlier today, Legado del Fantasma arrived at the building. Faceless in it view guy says, People are saying Santos Escobar didn't beat Jake at the Sparing Square last week. The Cruiserweight champ said he doesn't care what other people say. Atlas rolls up in a car and hops out. Ramon Doza steps to him and gets cracked with a bat. Oakland wild charge and Atlas runs away. Then we see Escobar smiling. Time for a live Thatcher's Thatch Can session with Akeem. He's teaching reversals. He shows that it was to count the guillotine choke. Since last week, we learned anyone who can get lucky locking the hole today. He doesn't release when Akeem taps on two different occasions. On the second one, AJ Gray, the guy beat down the last Thatcher's Thatch Can session, runs in and attacks him, sending Thatcher crashing over the barricade. Backstage, Mackenzie catches up with Zia Lee. She reveals that the letters Bo has been bringing her are from family, but she won't reveal what they're about. General Manager Winnie Regal brings her a new letter, and after reading it, tells Mr. Regal she needs to face Raquel Gonzalez next week. With Raquel dishonored her, the GM said he'll make it happen. After a break, Ray Ripley responds to EO. That challenge is exactly what she's been waiting for. She says she's not scared of the nightmare, but everyone is afraid of something, and Ray knows EO is afraid of losing her title. 2020's been trash as she's had to prove everyone who she is, but she's going to end the year like she started it as women's champion. And our main event is the Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa. Dream tried to attack at the bell, but Ciampa sidesteps and works to rip the cast off Velveteen's wrist. Dream heads outside and tells the officials to keep Tommaso back, but slams the announce desk in frustration, hurt his own wrist. Dream gets in a little offense, but ends up taking a high knee while draped over the barricade. Ciampa goes to repeat the move on the desk, but Velveteen begs for mercy, so instead Ciampa cracks the cast down three or four times. A spine buster follows and Velveteen celebrates his first full offense of the match. Strikes are followed by a cross face that puts his cast right into Ciampa's injured eye. Ciampa comes back with a flurry that ends with a superplex. Dream Valley driver attempts forward when Ciampa grabs the ropes. He stops the dive with a forearm, but it's put down with a crossbody to the floor a second later. Another battle inside ends with both men spinning over the top. Dream breaks the count at seven. Chair in the ref stops it and Dream is caught with a high knee on a dive. That leads to Willow's Bell and the fairy tale ending and Ciampa beats the Dream. We move on to our next episode, November 11th, and we see a Veterans Day package open and show. Thank you all for your service. Then Johnny's in the ring with the will of challenges. He sees his failure to successfully defend the North American title the first time he had it was bad luck. Failing the title meant he was cursed, but tonight, with the help of his friend, the will, he'll reverse the curse. He's going to show the world that where there's a will, there's a way. And we see Leon Ruff has been... Taped as the one of names and the wheels obviously waited to land on Ruff. Come on down. So Gagano was going, oh, it's going to be Chump, it's going to be Priest. No, Leon Ruff. And we see there, it's like a written on there. So Ruff is going to be his first total defence right now. And Leon Ruff looks happy as Larry as he comes out here. And he's uh, quite a small guy. He's had a few opportunities, but Gagano shaking his hands. <laughs> Can he get a first successful title defence? And Gagana always giving people a chance, I suppose. And Gagana looks very happy with himself. And here we go. Oh, no tie up. And Gagana saying, wait a minute, pull up your knee brace. Shot to the face. Gagana, he's bringing it. He saw the nice side of him. Now he's see the angry side. He takes his top off and he is serious now. And Gagano putting rough on his shoulders and throws him down. Shows off the power. <laughs> Looks like he's going to hit it out of the park. There's no doubt Gagano is a heel. 
He's definitely loving life at the moment. Sends Ruff in the corner. Huge chop into the corner. Ruff managing to move out of the way. A forearm shot. Using the ropes. That was brilliant. Used the top rope second. Bottom and then through the legs. Clothesline over the top. Oh no, Ruff gets caught by Gagano though. And sending to the stairs. And Johnny looking mighty happy with himself. Oh my god, Gagano sending Ruff up against Barricade in the gate. You can see Damien Priest behind the glass. And Gagano mocking Priest. <laughs> Gagano mocking, I don't think he realises Priest has moved. And so scares him in the ring. And now Ruff with a roll up. One, two. No. Gagano nearly lost it then. Huge clothesline. Sends Ruff inside out. And Kagano picking Ruff up. And looks like he's going to throw him in a corner and finish it. With a long dart. Oh, Gagano's won this now. But at the moment, he's just taunting Priest. And now Gagano going to finish it with a kick. No. Ruff turns it. Takes pin. He gets him. Leo Ruff beats Gagano. Gagano is still. He's got hold of the belt. He can't believe it. Priest is laughing. Ruff is shocked. We've got a new North American champion. Leon Ruff Gagano still hasn't had a first uh, successful title defence. But the bigger story, I think, yeah, Leon Ruff wins his first championship in NXT. He can't believe it. His young dreams do come true. Gagano's had a nightmare. Leon Ruff, take a bow, son. Your new NXT North American champion. What a moment. A great match as well. Told the story of Gagano being the one to get the job done. Too overconfident. And you see Priest there celebrating with Ruff. I don't even think the belt fits round his waist. <laughs> that is brilliant there. And what a moment. What a surprise here on NXT. Well, backstage, everyone is cheering the new champ. Mitchell McKenzie tries to get word, but Priest says, Little Johnny is going to come through the curtain and try to kick his ass. So he gives Leon the keys to his black challenger and tells him to get out. Garner does come through hot and attacks Priest. The former champ says he hates wheels and demands general manager William Eagle do his job and vacate the match. But he says there's no contract. He's still freaking out as we go to our next match, which is Jake Atlas versus Santos Escobar. We see footage of Atlas attacking Lagarde del Fantasma earlier today, blasting Woking Wild in a bread basket with a black jack. The cruiserweight champ is out with Raul Mendoza. He armed in a sling from Atlas' attack. Escobar is still very chill, lounging in the corner at the bell. Jake tries to get the early advantage, but only takes seconds for Santos to get the upper hand. Rushing next feet into a submission as the champ tells Jake this is what he's for messing him. We see two pin and Then Escobar drops him in the middle rope. Superkick near fall from the champ, but Atlas comes right back with a combo. Jake climbs for his finisher, but lands right into Escobar, who hits the Phantom Driver for the win. And Lagarde down Phantom celebrate with a leader on the the ramp. Backstage, we see Dexter Loomis putting the finishing touches on the caricature of his win over Cameron Grimes at Halloween Havoc, where Cal Gonzalez walking to the ring. Shotzi Blackcut tells us how much the tank that Candice LeRae destroyed meant to her. It was more than just a cool vehicle she rode to the ring. It represented freedom of family. That's not even because Shotzi isn't interested in getting even. She just wants to kick his ass. Our next match is Raquel Gonzalez versus Zia Lee. Lee doesn't come out with her music. Instead, it's Boa. He apologises but says Zia isn't here tonight. So instead, Gonzalez kicks his ass. She sends him to the barricade, then throws him back in the ring for a big boot. She tells Lee... Asked just before he chokeslams him to hell. She tells everybody to get her name out of their mouth and storms off as Boa arrives in pain. The lights go out and it's on the screen around the CWC. An older Asian man walks down the ramp. Boa kneels before him and accepts an envelope for him. Then the man draws a character on the back of his hand with soot 
The man leaves the bar, hoses his hand like it hurts. Okay. We see Mitchell asking August Gray back to tackle Timothy Thatcher, but this doesn't go much better than Mackenzie's first inning. Thatcher attacks, refs come to a break. Thatcher pounces and throws Gray into Loomis' heart. Dexter shows up and he isn't happy, but Thatcher says he doesn't have a problem with him. Mr. Regal gets between them and Thatcher leaves. We see Tony Storm versus Candice Ray up next and then we see a promo from the Poison Pixie where she laughs about how much she enjoyed destroying Blackheart's tank. She also gone enjoying the punk rock pose of Tony Storm. They trade headlock at the start and Tony gets the first takedown take control. She fights off a comeback and gets another takedown with wrist control. She slams Storm to the map with a handful of hair to change the mental. She fights off a suplex and gets one herself. Basement drop kick and an inverted atomic drop from Storm. The raid rolls out and Tony follows but hip attack gets nothing but steps and the hill takes charge as we go to pitcher in pitcher. Storm's comeback starts shortly after we return and gets a cover off a bridge of suplex. She climbs but Candice catches her for a famous stuff from there but Tony holds on. Storm tries for a sent on and gets nothing but Matt. A scramble follows and Larray gets both feet at the ropes during the cover to get the free. She then a- Storm then attacks Larray as getting out but Ghostface makes a save. Shot sees into even the odds but the hill stand tall. Candice tells the lackey to unmask and it's Indy Hartwell. We get a backstage promo from Breezango. Tyler Breeze says they worked for five years to get the belts and worked too hard to have everything taken away by Pat McAfee. He wasn't even in NXT. Breezango says he isn't even a wrestler. Breeze says tonight we're not goofy Breezango. They'll become the two-time champs. We then see Timmy Thatcher versus Dex. Fez person punches him. Dex at the start and a rattle Thatcher slides out of the ring. Tries to get Dexter's ankle but Loomis fights off. He sends him back a bad arm first into the ring post as we go to a break. Thatcher is in control and work of the arm when we return. Double underhook suplex gets two. He tries for a couple more covers as he returns to the arm. Dexter goes to the chop top but Thatcher catches him there. They trade strikes. Loomis fights off a superplex. Swan Tom off the tribes is here. Dexter knocks him off the apron but the confusion gives Thatcher a chance to get the free off the crucifix. Loomis goes after Grimes but knocking him off the apron. Grimes snaps his bad arm off the top rope. He puts a burlap slap on Dex- Dex's head. Loomis tries for a chair attack but can't see. Cameron sets him on a chair and nails him with the cave-in. Backstage, Mitchell catches up with Kagano, who's going to knock on the GM's door now that he's called down. He asked for a match to be thrown out. Mr. Eagle said it was Johnny's decision, so the decision stands. He said he rigged the wheel and the whole thing was a joke. He melts down as Regal smiles and shuts the door. After a break, Tomasi Champa is in the dark promo cove. He said he's been in the business for 16 years and he's been around some tough guys. Guys like Harley Race and Killer Kowalski. These guys never had to tell you they were tough. You knew. But the NXT locker room is full of guys who tell you they're tough. Maybe it's the Wells today. He doesn't know. He never thought it would be an old school, but guess he is. This 2020 locker room culture is going to change and he is that change. We get a prime target, Ray Ripley and EFCI. Ripley talks of disappointment of WrestleMania being moved to the PC without fans and losing to Charlotte Flair. Shia talks in Japanese about being the best and besting all challenges. She kind of mocks Flair for needing to get over the main disappointment. She's not afraid of the nightmare. Strength coach Sean Hayes pulls over at Ripley and Sarah Mato puts over EO. Their match is next week. Pat McAfee enters and puts over Pete Dunne. So you see highlights of last week. He talks about how much his business is worth and his exciting flight to Florida in the storm. He had to decide what to tell the stupidest audience in the world and that he don't deserve the main event they're about to get. He'll be on commentary after the break. Before the match starts, we see Cameron Grimes walking backstage. Faces interview guy, catch up of him. He's mad enough to admit he was afraid of Dexter Loomis, dead eyes. But he's covered him up and caved him in. Now he's somewhere to be the moon. 
I know I didn't give it all that, but you know what I'm saying. I'm still I'm still learning to like him. Our main event is Bree Zanga versus Orny Lorkin and Danny Birch. And the former champs are all business. Wade Barrett finally welcomes McAfee to commentary as he runs down Vic Joseph and Beth Phoenix for not doing it sooner. The champ jumps at the bell and says the challenges to the floor. Fandango throws Lorcan over his back and Tyler Breeze slingshot Burtz into the fence. Breeze says down into the ring and he and Dango officially start. The Brit is isolated in the fashion police's corner. Tie in for a snap suplex and a cover, but Birch gets a tag. Prince Pretty drives only into the challenge's corner. Fandango with a big back elbow, but the challenge get a tag themselves and neither team can take control for long. Things break down on the floor. Breeze sends Birch crashing to McAfee and down on the table. Breeze super kicks him to the floor and Fandango flies on all of them. He climbs Vink Post, but Lork is recovered and stops him. McAfee hops on the eighth for a distraction, but here comes Drake Maverick. He takes out Lorkin. Dango follows with a nail-by drop and that sets up a great near fall. Maverick takes out McAfee as it breaks down. Dunn takes and rolls Pat into the ring. Where the referee deals with him, Pete blasts Breeze off the apron. The champs hit the tandem finisher on Dango to retain their titles. Maverick climbs behind the King of NXT celebration and splashes on him. A Celtic 3 versus 4 melee follows, but the end result is a bad guy's win. Dunn sets Fandango up and McAfee punts him for telling the camera they'll do this however much they want. They're the best. You suck. Cheers. Right, we'll move on to our last episode of NXT November 18th from a start with a North American title match. After a recap of how Leon Ruff beat Johnny Garner last week, Garner comes to the ring with Mike saying Ruff is a joke and tonight the joke is over. And it's all Johnny at the bell, but Ruff comes back and sends Gagano scrambling to the outside. The champ dives mostly over Johnny, but Gagano sells for him anyway. Back in the ring, the challenger counters with whatever Leon was going for and carries him to the corner as he throws him headfirst into the turnbuckles. He does it again in the other corner. Damien Priest shows up on the stage, distracting Johnny before he can follow up. And Ruff almost rolls him up for the free. The distraction lets Leon get in a little bit more offense, but a superkick stops his roll. Gagano hits one. Final beat and goes for the cover, but Priest pulls him out. The archer infantry apologises to Leon, but blasts him with a forearm. The referee has no choice, and Leon Ruff retains the title via disqualification. Priest gets the belt and drags Ruff to the stage to celebrate as Gagano fumes. Cameron Grimes is walking backstage to talk about how he proved he wasn't afraid of Dexter Loomis last week after he covered his eyes. That's why he's excited about their blindfold match, after which he's going to the moon. Well, after some commercials, we'll see Ray Ripley arriving for tonight's main event. And then it's Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. It's the unzombified zombie ref. So Grimes isn't thrilled about that. He covers his eyes as De- Loomis enters and won't start till Dexter puts the bag on his head. Grimes, he tries to take off his blindfold, but the referee chastises him. He misses the crossbody and then runs crashing into the ropes. And Turnbuckle's looking for Loomis. The bigger man is just standing. When Cameron takes a swing at the ref, Loomis seems to sense him. Grimes gets in the corner when he senses the ref. Is behind him, he cold cocks him, then he puts the boots to the official. He takes the mask off and Grimes thinks he the, has the upper hand. He goes for a cave-in, but Loomis sidesteps it and punches Grimes. He gets in some offence with a blindfold on, but Grimes eventually accidentally takes the bag off his head. Silence attempt, but the North Carolinian elbows his way out. Grimes, he flees to the outside trying to escape, but ends up getting bounced off the barricade a few times. Finally, Loomis throws him off the fence, and Johnny catches and climbs over to run away. Backstage, general manager when Regal confronts Priest, he says he got carried away, but Regal has to be sick of Johnny too. Leon Ruff interrupts him. He's mad that Damien treated him like a joke. If he's going to be a champ, he has to defend the belt on his own. Priest apologises, but Ruff said he's sorry, kid, then slaps Priest in the mouth. Mr. Regal tells Damien he had it coming. We get more ads and we get a video of Shotzi Blackheart in the garage. She tells Candice LeRae she knows something Candice doesn't. On December 6th, they're going to war. War Games is coming, and it sounds like the Ray and Blackheart will pick teams 
for the main event. Of course, the Mind of Monty Pod will be joining us for NXT War Games in December as well. We see Candice Rain, Indy Hartwell versus Casey Cancellara and Caden Carter. Carter gets Hartwell down and brings her to the face's corner for a series of tags and some slick tandem offense, including Caden whipping Casey at Indy's leg to flatten her before Cancellara pops off his springboards into a crossbody. Then and stretches Casey a little bit, and then that is the job done, and she gets the victory. Now, our next match is Kushida versus Arturo Roas. Roas gets Kushida back and gets the better with the early grappling and... BJJ, Kushida escapes over the top rope but is brought back in. He lands some strikes but the Zinian wins that exchange too. He targets the arm and puts Kushida down. Mackenzie Mitchell breaks and says Finn Balor hasn't arrived yet. She asks the GM if he knew where the champ was going to say. Mr. Eagle only would say have the time he needs to address the NXT universe. Still all ass in the ring. Kushida's comeback starts with a drop kick to the knee and a subsequent flurry of kicks. Back and forth for us fights off a of Kimura goes for an ankle lock but Kushida bridges that into a pin. And gets the victory. We didn't see Mitchell interviewing Ember Moon and Tony Storm backstage. Moon says Kai is one of the best in the world. But she keeps relying on Gonzalez. It's time for Captain Kick and Big Tex to get theirs. And she's really happy she's teamed with her girl Tony Storm tonight. Storm agrees and they need to teach Kai and Gonzalez a lesson. But when it comes to NXT Women's title. Moon stops her right there. And says let's just get through tonight. We see a video of Roster making their picks in tonight's main event. Triple H goes with Raya. And our next match is Dakota Kai and Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Tony Storm. Well, the heels step to the ropes and stop the face's entrance. Once things are settled, Gonzalez and Storm start. Big Tex puts the Aussie down and Storm is isolated in the corner. When Kai comes in, kicks and the face washes from Dakota in the corner, who comes in for a cover. Inverted Thomas drop and a basement drop kick gets two for Tony. Storm runs over Kai and hits a German suplex. Kai tries to fight off three but still takes them. Hip attack in the corner and a fisherman suplex. The pin gets broken up. Headbutt by Tony on Raquel. Ember Moon follows with a tilt well DDT. Kai super kicks Ember and then does a double close on spot with Tony. Kai hits a corner boot but runs into one by Tony. She then hits a shoulder thrust in the apron and Raquel sends her ring post. Ember tackles Raquel into the announce table. Storm puts Kai in the inside cradle to score the win. And after the match, Candice Ray and Indy Hartwell run and attack the victors. They throw Moon and Storm back in and let loser pick the bones. There's your war games team, I reckon. We see SUV pull up and it's the king of NXT. Pat McAfee says he's heard the chat with speaker tonight and there are four guys who want a front row seat for that. It's then Timmy Thatcher versus August Grey. Grey charges at Bill, but Thatcher tries to throw him off with throwing his jacket and he works for a second as his student lights a teacher up with punches and goes for a backslide. TT fights that off and goes to work. He targets ribs and strikes. He works for submission. Grey continues to fight and finally kicks Cat. Thatcher off the Achilles lock. That gives Gray some momentum, but then he tries for a spinning move off the top rope. He flies right into a European uppercut. Guillotine choke ends things seconds later. Thatcher continues to inflict punishment on the bell, and here comes Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa marches down to the ring, and Thatcher backs and saying, I don't have a problem with you. Well, we see Damian Priest walking in the ring for a match after commercial. Mackenzie catches up with Tommaso. He tried to make his intentions clear. He wants to fight Thatcher. So it's Damian Priest versus... Well, Johnny Gagano attacks during Priest's entrance. The Archer weathers the storm and gains the advantage. Rock and Gagano with a combination. Priest sets Johnny up on the announce desk, but Gagano recovers and leaps off to Priest with a forearm. He ends up taking a boot to the head. Priest throws him in the ring and goes for the chair, but Leon Ruff, the evasion of the North American champ, takes out both men when he does use a boot to send Priest to the floor with Gagano. Ruff stands tall, but then realises he's outnumbered. The two former foes go to the attack, but Leon evades and heads out. Priest and Gagano glare at each other. As the segment ends. Well, I hope not last way last ride, Wade Barrett tells us he won't be around next week. Instead, Kevin Owens will be on commentary with Vic Joseph and Beth Phoenix. 
We see Mr. Regal going to check on Boa. His eyes have a grey around him like the soot that marks his hand with last week. Boa hasn't been seen in the PC this week as he has been, Lee has been missing for two weeks. Boa tells the gem to hide him because she's coming. After a break, Regal confronts Lee, a rough North Wing champ, said he isn't a joke and to prove it, he'll face them both. And up next is Io Shai versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. And these two women might be the best in NXT we've seen in a very long time. And how's this going to go? We've just had the entrances and the introductions. Conan Ale by Tarp and Ripley with the power straight away. Your assumption is Ripley obviously has the power advantage. Whereas Io's got the speed. As for experience, you're going to have to go for Io in this one as well. She has been a dominant NXT Women's Champion. Io shows she out-wrestled Ripley a little bit there with a takedown. And Shy again, and that is brilliant. We see the handstands and the cartwheel. And now a nip up after the drop kick. And she's so cool and so confident is Io. But she's bringing it to a dominant woman in Rhea Ripley. Irish rip reverse. Io goes on to the second to stop herself. But Ripley realising, looking to slam her up. But Io again, going for the sunset flip. Gets picked up by Ripley. And a huge shoulder block. Um, Ripley is not sweating Io at this moment in time. Nice leapfrog by Io. Gets a foot caught, but gets the lands on her feet. Huge forearm shot. And now a drop kick, and Ripley lands awkwardly to the outside. Io's going to try and keep some momentum. Suicide dive attempt, but gets caught with a huge forearm. Oh, my God. Now Ripley on the outside. Got Io up on her shoulders. Oh, an electric chair apron. As we go to an advert, and as we're back, and Ripley's got Io in submission. Looks like leg vine. Down. No care there from Ripley. So aggressive. She'll be frustrated. Of course, coming up short at WrestleMania against Charlotte. Then EO success the rest of the year. Ripley going for a suplex. EO turned into a pin attempt. But Ripley still managing to get out of the pin attempt. And then power her back up in a suplex. And then we get split screen as uh, Ripley's going to submission. Because Finn Balor, the NXT champion, is here. And Ripley now just working that submission. EO getting to her feet. Working the midsection. Drives her back to the corner. But Ripley again with just one strike. I think you're going to see this a lot, EO, maybe two or three times, trying to rock it at Ripley. Ripley's just got the power to stop her in her tracks. Now, Ripley's going to go for a superplex and try and end EO's reign. But EO trying to fight out. Going underneath now, powerbomb position. Ripley went for the right hand. EO moved, punched the turnbuckle, and then arm ringer and German suplex. That's brilliant by EO Shai. I feel there's great chemistry between these two women as well. Even though they've not faced one-on-one in NXT. And Shiler maybe going for Tiger Driver. But Ripley manages to power out of it. EO lands on her feet low. Big palm strike. Rolls her through double foot stomp. And another beautiful drop kick right to the face. But still is not enough to be. Oh my god. And you can see the state of the ear of Ripley. Looks like she has some earrings ripped out. Whether it be intentionally or not. And now the cross face is from EO. And she's putting pressure on the injured ear. See the referee's got gloves on. See replay how she got it. And Ripley back to her feet with a big boot. And Ripley talking a little bit of trash. But got the arm caught by Eo. Now working the arm over and over. And again. Taking her down. Well Ripley is in all sorts of trouble. And of course a bad arm. As Beth Phoenix points out. Can't use the Riptide. Now drop kick by Eo again. And she knows what she's targeting. Ripley in all sorts of trouble. We've got the arm. And Ripley managing to pick her up. But only on the apron. And again, the arm ring it down. EO showing a vicious side by Ipsy to retain her title. She does this to her friend. What's she going to do to her enemy? And look at that, slamming it down the apron. 
Now both women trading, but again, Eo's got the arm. Oh my god. Fist it back and Ripley just goes straight down. And now into the stairs as well. We go to another advert. And we are back from the break and both women are down. Ripley just had an unsuccessful pin attempt. And Ripley, bad arm, bleeding from the ear. Trying to get hold of Eo, but Eo just will not quit. And now both women just trading straight. This is what makes NXT the best women's division in wrestling. You don't know which way this is going to go. These two women complete polar opposites, it seems. And now Eo with just the jabs and the shots. Ripley trying to fight her off now. Oh my god, Snapmare with the big knees. Three or four times. And now drop kick. Folds Eo up. And now Ripley working the midsection. And he's got the legs up of Eo. And now we've seen this submission before. Reverse Texas Cloverleaf. Will Eo tell? I think not. And now look at Ripley just pulling away. Now just spinning her around. Slamming her face first. With the submission locked in now. Eo desperately trying to get to that bottom rope. Can she make it? Just about. And she keeps on the count, does Ripley. And I think that shows you begrudgingly respect for Eo. Can she put in a position now for the Riptide? Arm and all. It's got her up. Eo managing to block it into an arm breaker. And that was brilliant for Eo. She's got Ripley in all sorts of trouble. Ripley trying to roll through. Power her up. Slams her down. But Eo will not give up on this. And maybe Ripley just too close using a big frame to get to that bottom rope. Ripley now struggling to get to her feet. Eo's in position. 619 time. No, Ripley dodging it. No, Ripley dodges the second and the bottom rope 619 attempts. Gets caught with a couple of nice palm strikes though. 619 to Ripley. Eo's going up. Can she hit the moonsault? No, Ripley to her credit back to her feet already. The genius of the sky with a huge drop kick. Goes for the cover, but I don't think that's enough to keep Ripley down. Well, Eo can't believe the toughness of Ripley. A win, lose, or draw. Both of these women have proven they may be the best in wrestling. Not just NXT, not just women. And you see the double knees from Eo. Takes Ripley down. Going up now. Looking for that moonsault. Can she put Ripley away? No, Ripley moves, but Eo manages to land on her feet. Gets hit with a clothesline. Turned inside out. But Eo's still got life left in her. And now Ripley wondering what's going to take. Has she got enough strength in that arm? Hit the riptide as she just stomps down. We're going to look for a riptide attempt. But Eo turns it into a DDT. Shoes DDT spiking Ripley right down. And Ripley's trying to get to her feet. She might be up before Eo is. But she might be punch drunk. Ripley on the apron now. Eo comes in. Looking for the sunset flip. It's got Ripley up. Oh my. Well, Ripley there took a chance. Was balancing on the shoulders of Eo. She powerbombed her. Through the announce table. The power of Eo to get Ripley up. The table broke. And it just broke down. And can Ripley get in the ring for the count? That's incredible. The way the desk is set up with that bird's eye view camera. Looks like it didn't go through. But it did. Ripley showing her toughness. Getting in. And then the moonsault from Eo. One. Two. Three. Wow. What a match there for the NXT Women's title. That has maybe stolen... The show here on the podcast so far. That was incredible by both women. Ripley sustained so many different injuries. A powerbomb through the announce table. Managed to get in. And then EO taking advantage and hitting that moonsault. Unbelievable stuff there for two of the best women in the business. 
What a... That is, we're seeing the highlights now. Incredible stuff. We're at the ramp. They shake hands and hug. And Ray heads off. And the strap above her head. Finn gets in the ring and grabs a mic. Well, first things first, Balor says congrats to EO, but let's get back to business. Last time we saw him, he defended his title with his jaw broken in two places. Now he stands there with three plates in his face to prove he's a badass. Continue, Pat McAfee and the crew rolling. He said he knows Finn doesn't watch the industry, the industry watches him, but he has to see what he's been doing when he's been home drinking shakes for a stalk. McAfee runs down a list of people they're taking out. He tells Finn that if he respects the business, he's going to turn that belt over to him or end up just like the others. Finn says it's easy for the mice to play when the cat's away, but the cat is back. And look what he's dug up with him. It's the undisputed era. Adam Cole destroys McAfee. Everyone else is born around the ring as we are out of time. What a moment, NXT. NXT has been brilliant these last three weeks. You've had the surprise with Leon Ruff winning with Gagano. You've had the, the kind of match of the year. Well, one of the matches of the year with EO and um, Ray Ripley. And then the big surprise with the Unspeaked Era coming back. And like we said, we know War Games is coming up. And obviously, it's going to be Pat McAfee and his boys going against the Unspeaked Era. And, of course, we've got the women's match as well. This should be absolutely brilliant. And, of course, we asked you what you thought the better show was. Was it AEW or NXT from that? Well, we asked you what the better show was. Dynamite or NXT and AEW won with 55% of the vote. Was that right? Uh, I would say maybe NXT did edge AEW this week, but of course, rating-wise, AEW beat NXT for the third consecutive week. AEW got 850,000 viewers, and NXT got 638,000. But we move on, and up next is NXT UK. We've got five episodes to catch up on. Of course, we're being headlined by Aya versus Volta for the NXT UK title. We start off with the October 22nd edition. And here's the, uh, just a quick recap. We see Eddie Dennis defeating Oliver Carter by pinfall. After the match, Desvited Flash, Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews join him next week in the discussion. They will meditate. As he's implied, Andrews and Webster have been the ones attacking each other. Having yet aired that hype, the impending return of Joe Coffey. It's also noted that NXT will be airing at 4pm instead of 3pm. And that Jordan Devlin will be returned to the show. Nina Samuels defeated Amala by pinfall. Following the match, Samuels said she will be turning attention to Piper Niven. Trent Seven defeated Kenny Williams with a 2-1 score to advance in the next round of the NXT UK Heritage Cup tournament to face Dave Mastiff in the semi-finals. And then there was a contract signing for next week's NXT UK Championship match between Volta and Ia Dragunov. As per usual with contract signings, the two decided to fight and Dragunov came out standing tall. We move on to the October 29th edition. We open a video package charting Walter's reign as NXT UK Champion and Ia Dragunov's rise ahead of NXT's main event. We see Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness on commentary in our first match of the year for Vikarai versus Danny Luna. And uh, this is basically two newcomers in NXT UK. And um, Luna kicks out of Valkyrie, went for a spring ball off the bottom rope. It's caught by Valkyrie, flips out a German suplex for knocking Luna down. Head of the death note, flying scissors kick for the win. I think gave another name there, but oh well. A solid enough TV match, but it looked too even if they're designed to push Valkyrie into the total picture anytime soon. Voltonia warming up backstage to get heavy filtered recap of the Heritage first round ahead of the semi-finals next week. We get a promo package for Rampage Brown. He signed Venice UK. We get footage him in ICW in progress along with some talking head. And we get a recap of the Phantom Assault Mark Andrews early in the year. Then the attack on Flash Morgan Webster three weeks ago. Both Flash and Andrews are in the ring addressing what happened and they're quickly interrupted by Eddie Dennis. I feel a turning coming and really rushing through this slow, leaving little time for things to breathe as Mark brings up how long he's known Eddie, who he then calls Andrews a narcissist. Webster tells Eddie he's taken out, he's talking out his ass as Dennis proceeds to suggest 
Webster set things up. Pretty deadly come out. Back up Eddie. Well, a hunt come out to provide sport. Eddie compared Flash and Andrews to the kids he used to teach. Before the hunt jumped Flash and Andrews. Pretty deadly wander off as the hunt gives a kick to Andrews. Before a Death Valley driver powerbomb combo laid out Webster. So Eddie wasn't caught in pretty deadly. He's back in the Welsh Geordie combo in the hunt then. Eddie does the shush motion and hunt go quiet. Earlier today, Piper Nivens asked about a plan in the UK. She suggested Chillinger Kaylee Ray. The assistant to the general manager asked about Eddie Dennis' stuff. Pretty deadly disavowed it and asked if the NX UK title shot. But Sam Gradwell walks to the still left under. Gallus were around to hear that and they say next week they're back to full strength. And then Jordan Devlin versus Levi Murr. Devlin's still got the NXT Cruiserweight title. Murr counts a sunset flip, but deadlift Devlin up for a power slam. But Devlin counters that with a roll up for a headbutt, not Murr down for a Devlin slides as a cloverleaf gets a submission. Very squashy, but very too. Post-match, Devlin calls out the cruiserweight division and calls himself the real cruiserweight. Interesting how they kept this evergreen by not mentioning who the other champ is. Next week, Sam Gradwell, Lewis Howley and Sam Stoker take on Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Plus now, Diane Aiken in the Heritage semi-final. Plus, imagine the women's match now it's a few hours. We see a hype video for the main event with Walter saying he respects I as a hard-working man with principles. He says UK champ will never change. So here we go. We've had the instructions. They're face to face. And uh, going into this, Walters held the NXT UK title for 573 days, going by broadcast date. By far the longest individual title reign of his career. He's since defended the title against Pete Dunn, Travis Banks, Tyler Bate, Joe Coffey, and Dave Mastiff. While this will be his 10th one on one meeting with Aya, with a challenge everyone six of the prior outings to Walters two. So here we go. The matchup we've been waiting to see for a very long time now. Here we go. Dragging off straight off. At the start, a huge boot to Volta's face. Oh, my God. And chops already in the kicks. And Dragunov now responding with a chop of his own. And both men just clobbing each other. Big boot. Powerbomb attempt blocked. Knee for Maya. And Maya means business here tonight. Fired up is the understatement of the century. Already redness in the face. And a chop by Ia sends Volta to the floor. Dragunov with a sent on. Looking to finish it maybe already with a torpedo Moscow. No, Volta catches him in a sleeper. Oh my god, and a huge explosive suplex like that. Folds him inside out as we go to an advert. We're back and Volta's still got the submission in. Here trying to fight out of this low. And huge chop. And a huge clothesline. You can just hear the shot. As Volta now got the sleeper back in. And here knows he's got to grab hold of that rope. Gets it broken low. Turns him round. Goes for the cover. No. Volta there gets his shoulder up. And then the submission in. Rolls round. And Volta knew he had to let go of the submission. Otherwise he got pinned. Big boot to Aya. But dropped. Now a huge clothesline. Builds some momentum up. Just takes Volta down. Referee count. And you can see the red marks already. On both their bodies. This has been brutal. And they are now going to look for the Torpedo Moscow again. They both try to finish this from the very early going. And Volta just slaps him across the face. This is crazy. This is like a, like a, it's not even like an MMA fight because they're just trying to finish each other. There's no submission, the you know, a submission attempt, sorry, but there's no mucking around and the chop just, eyes oh, red folds him up. And again, another chop. And Volta's just got hold of the arm and just kicking down on the head. And dragging off now, you've got to think about it, maybe long term career. Yes, he's got a lot of guts. Sometimes it's not what you want to see. And again a huge chop. Kick to the midsection. Kick to the face. He wants him to hit him harder. And both men just trading now. This is sick. How is he standing? I've no idea. Oh my. 
And a clothesline from Volta. Oh, sickening. Powerbomb. Gets him down. One, two. No. I've no idea how I got out of that. That was crazy. Well, the clothesline itself. And then the powerbomb. And another huge clothesline from Volta. Will that be enough? No. And now just slaps. Complete disrespect. Going for the sleeper again. Wants to put Aya away. And Dragunov still trying to fight this. And now going to go for that Dragon Sleeper attempt. Volta's got it in. And Aya trying to block it. And Volta even headbutting the midsection. Aya will not give up. But he might suffocate. Managing to roll the momentum around. Oh, now breaking the arms again with a sleeper. Oh, and a huge boot to the back. And again, a sleeper. And Aya is just trying to fight. And he's saying he won't quit. And now just slapping Volta. Both men just trading slaps. And now shoulder charges. And now a headbutt. <laughs> and here just trying to use everything. Maybe one last chance. Not only in this match, but become NXT UK champion. And huge knees to the face, to the midsection. Double hand chopped to the back of their head. And I build momentum. Trying to finish things off now. Going to the top. Taking out Volta with a drop kick. But will that be enough to put him down? No. And I think the referee, if he'd have noticed it. The foot was a bit too close to the bottom rope there. And he might be pointing that out at this moment in time. And Volta now shouting at Aya, is that what you got? <laughs> These two men will have gained a new respect. They know each other quite well. And a chop is just, it's like gunshots. And this has been an all-out war. Aya uh, trying to pick up Volta, but not having uh, any luck. And now Dragon, I think Dragoff is uh, bleeding on the mouth, the lips. It was no surprise. And now look at this. Vicious clotheslines. Shots to the back. And he's trying to pick up the champion. He's got him up. Slams him down. But no. Can't get him down. I think Volta was... The ring general was moving at that point as well. And now can I finish things off maybe? The Torpedo Moscow. As he screams and looks to end things. Avoids Volta's boot. And now just chops to the back of the head. Torpedo Moscow hit it. But can't capitalise. Well, the red welts and the marks. And here just couldn't take advantage of that. And Volta's going to get up maybe before he does. And here we go. It's his moment in time. No, he can't. Just too many. Too much punishment. And here just went for the knee to the face. And couldn't get him down. Well, their bodies will not be the same after this. And Volta now looks like he's begging off Aya, which you never thought you'd see. And now here will he elbows. Trying to get a stop. And Volta now rolling to the outside. The shots won't stop. He's got him again. And you see the explode. The reverse explode to the outside. I don't think Aya knows where he is. Referee's asking. And Volta sending Aya back into the stairs. This has been vicious. Being vicious is an understatement. It's been incredible. And Volta now powerbomb right onto the apron. And Aya put up a fantastic fight. But I'm sorry... You can't withstand this much punishment as his lifeless body gets picked up again. Powerbomb from Volta. And he's not finished there. Exclamation point if he can get up. Volta off the top. Into the cover. One, two. No! How did he get out of that? That's what beat Pete Dunne for the UK title. And it didn't get the job done here. And now Volta just jumps on top. Slaps, punches, kicks. And I still fighting, still trying to fight, but the shots are just too vicious. Picks him up again in submission. You can see the blood of Aya. He's not moving. He's unresponsive. And the referee has no choice. 
probably the most vicious, brutal, and awe-inspiring match that we have seen on the WNR podcast here. The state of Aya looks like, when you talk about we'd be through hell, he has been through hell. Him and Volta gave everything they had. They put their bodies on the line here tonight and delivered a match of the year candidate. There is no doubt Ia Jagadoff versus Volta will be one of my picks. You see the marks, the bruises. This was an all-out war, unlike anything we've ever seen in WWE. And if NXT UK want to bring matches like this, this is going to be incredible. We thought Balor versus O'Reilly was impressive. This was another level. Volta is still your champion, but Aya has gained the respect of the champ and deserves enough opportunity after both men come back from hospital visits. There's no doubt about that. Incredible stuff on NXT UK. If you have not seen this match, go out of your way to find it. Somehow we move on to our next episode of NXT UK, November 5th. We see a six-man tag team match, Gallus, which was Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang defeating Sam Gradwell and pretty deadly Lewis Holy and Sam Stoker. We see Jenny defeating Aliyah James by Paul. Jenny cut a promo afterwards about Piper Niven not being at the front of the line for a total shot. Niven came out to confront and then Katie Ratos is still chairing the ring and told him to show some of that killer instinct that they think that makes him so worthy of a shot. Niven took out Ginny and James for the sake of it. Niven then went after Kaylee Ray and had to be separated for backstage. In two weeks, Niven will face Ray in a false count anywhere match for the title. Next week, Rampage Brown will debut and Trent Seven will face Dave Mastiff in the semi-finals. The other semi-final for the Heritage Cup is an A-Kids Dar 2-1. We move on to our next episode of NXT UK November 2nd. And the hunt, while Boar, Mark Hitcham and Primate Jay Melrose, accompanied by Eddie Dennis, defeated Amir Jordan and Kenny Winners by pinfall. Rampage Brown making his debut, defeated Jack Stars. Zaya Brookside defeated Nina Samuels by pinfall. Samuels attacked Brookside after the match. Sam Gradwell spoke about his match against Gallus with a frantic melee and hypothetically, if he did get pinned, which he did, it would be a different than singles account. Alexander Wolf came by and called him a disgrace to the sport. In the Heritage Cup semi-finals, Trent Seven defeated Dave Mastiff 2-1. Seven will face Akid in the finals for the cup. After the match, Akid showed up and they shook hands. And our last episode of NXT UK took place on November 19th. Joe Coffey defeated Sam Gradwell by pinfall. Since Scala announced that the defence of the Jordan Devlin's NXT Cruiserweight Championship had been sanctioned. Kenny Wins and Man Jordan walked up to them and they put their challenges. Alexander Wolfe was annoyed by Gallus celebrating Joe Coffey's win. They traded verbal bards and Coffey challenged Wolfe to a fight. Pretty deadly defeated Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter by pinfall. South Wales subcoach ventured about vented about the hunt and Eddie Dennis. And a video package highlighted Rampage Brown. Saxon Huxley defeated Levi Murr by pinfall. In our main event, the NXT UK Championship was on the line. Kaylee Ray versus Piper Niven. I mean, Kaylee Ray and Piper Niven ushered a new level of brutality in their first women's Falls Cat Anywhere match in NXT UK history. Niven wasted no time beginning the Celtic brawl, attacking Kaylee Ray in the entrance way before the bell even sounded. Just to quickly capitalise on the stipulation introduced the array of foreign objects from under the ring. Both made use of weaponry including the ring bell, a trash can, even a steel chain that the scary Queen of Scots officially wrapped round Niven's face. Ginny emerged moments later after looking for payback against Niven for left in the line. Began pummeling Niven until the challenger could fight her off and toss her over the barricade. The Ray and Niven battled their way backstage at BT Sports Studios where the destructive ingenuity escalated. 
counter and a gory bomb attempt. Niven dropped Kaylee around the chair where Piper Driver at least got a free count. Niven left no doubt about the length she was willing to go in order to become champion target in LeRae's injured knee with a steel pipe before the rivals took their fight to the top of the equipment case. That was when Ginny re-emerged to strike Niven in the back with chair, sending both competitors crashing through a table below. That's unfortunately a top Niven for the cover. Kaylee Ray successfully attained her title, though neither women will likely be the same any time soon. So two absolute crackers in NXT UK this month. Alright, so let's move on. Of course, we have the Raw and SmackDown go-home shows for Survivor Series. And the show opened up with McIntyre addressing what was to come. While also taking shots of Universal Champ Roman Reigns before Randy Orton appeared and insisted he was too good to lose their title match. The Miz, with his money in the bank, John Morrison came out as Drew left, insisting they would make her impact regardless of who triumphed in the main event. They called out Bray Wyatt, even claiming a Firefly Funhouse host is scared of them because of their control over the championship scene. Well, during the night, Sheamus gave McIntyre a kilt and a side of his Scottish roots, which also smartly laid the groundwork for what would be upcoming feud between the two real-life best friends. Elsewhere, Lana agreed to team with her bullies Nia Jax and Shania Baszler this week, despite the current women's tag champions insisting they wouldn't let her be in the ring as they faced Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke and Oscar. A former African Russian did eventually make it in, but she lost to the Oscar lock and got Simone dropped through the announce table for the ninth time by Nia Jax. Retribution reckon attacked Brooke backstage. She was open up the battering Rose tick during the match, meaning Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans will replace the pair on Sunday. Things took a step up as MVP promised to hurt business for the best choice to represent the red brand at Survivor Series, leading Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander's Raw Tag Team title match with the New Day. Not a surprise, this was a lot of fun with Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods picking up the win and going on to face SmackDown Street Profits this weekend. Elsewhere, Jeff Hardy had more issues with Elias, who's still accusing the charismatic enigma of running over a month ago. And Raw's Fire Series team got a chance to work this week as Sheamus, Braun Strowman, Riddle and Keith Lee with AJ at ringside took on Retribution's T-Bar, May, Slapjack and Mustafa Ali. Fortunately, a message to the storyline focus meant this wasn't as great as it could have been, though it was great to see the faction's leader picking up a second win is as many weeks. And another high point for the night, Ray Wright was at his best when he called The Miz during the Firefly Funhouse after Mr. Moneybank's comments at the top of the show. Miz tried to talk Bray out of the match when the time came, but Alexa Bliss, complete with remixed music, came out, made it clear he wouldn't be down from this. Nikki Cross, who'd been looking for a friend trying to save her, joined her but was met with a slap from the shovels before the Whites rival hawked their brawl and led to the match. The main event itself was a fantastic way to end the show, with McIntyre and Orton battering each other in the name of entertainment. The match took a turn when a Viper tried to walk out, only found appears to change the rules so there'd be no longer count-outs or disqualifications. So here we go, we're going to pick up the WWE Championship match. And Adam Pearce has made it clear, like we said, falls count anywhere. No disqualifications as McIntyre rocks up with a huge clothesline. And can Drew become a two-time champ? Or will Orton still reign supreme as we see a beautiful backbreak? And we talk about reign. Let's not forget Roman Reigns. He's waiting for Eva Lee's man. Eva Lee's men even at Survivor Series as Orton now rolls to the outside. And picks up a steel chair. You might think it favours Orton a little bit with no disqualifications. Shot to the midsection. And a huge chair to the back. Folds McIntyre up. And of course McIntyre's entrance with a sword. The Claymore sword. Given to him by Vince McMahon. Who actually got it in Scotland as well. We see him coming out with his kill. I think it was quite a great, you know. He'd talk about what McIntyre can be. And that's Orton now just taunting him with a chair. And now Orton with a chair to the midsection. And trying to choke him. That broken jaw that Orton did to McIntyre. And now going for it again. The sick sadistic side of Orton. 
And Orton's very happy with his work. And a chair to the back again. And Orton's enjoying himself. Orton trying to get McIntyre down, but can't. You can see a little bit of frustration now from Randy. And McIntyre to the outside. And Orton's going to pick him up. And a big backdrop right on the barricade. Working that lower back. And now Orton's got the stairs. McIntyre's in serious trouble. And stairs right to the head of McIntyre. Orton now rolling McIntyre back in, but again can't put him away. Now Orton with a huge knee and again getting frustrated. He can't put McIntyre away. And like I said earlier, the winner of this will face Roman Reigns of Survivor Series. And I'll be joined by Jaxie's Survivor Series. And that will be our next episode. But the question is, who will be WWE Champion at that point? As Orton now has got McIntyre in the announce table. Trying to drive his head into it with McIntyre fighting off. A huge chop. And Orton now is going to try and suplex McIntyre on the announce table successfully. And that lower back's taking so much punishment. And now it's Orton with a huge right hand. And Orton again, another suplex to McIntyre. Is it going to be third time's a charm for Orton? No, McIntyre blocking it. Now a huge right hand to Orton. McIntyre's still got fight left in him. Now picking Orton up. <laughs> back suplex on the announce table to Orton. McIntyre saying that's not enough. And a shoot second suplex. That announce table's withstood five suplexes on it now. Orton's struggling to get to his feet. And McIntyre now lining it up. And a huge claimer, but Orton dodged out of the way. My God, if you go to an advert. And we're back after the break. There's a table set up at ringside. McIntyre throwing Orton in, but of course feeling that lower back. And as McIntyre makes his way, and Orton with a kick. Maybe he's going to try a DDT, but realising McIntyre's pretty beaten up already. And now Orton grabbing the hair with the sleeper. And McIntyre trying to get to his feet with Orton with a sleeper in. And McIntyre fighting out of it now. Chops to the right hand. But you can see the punishment taken of McIntyre. Irish whipping a huge throw by McIntyre. Trying to build some momentum now. And another one as well. Juice trying to fight with everything he's got. McIntyre now huge net breaker. Nip up. And McIntyre's like, yes, he can boogie. Reference to the Scottish national team as well. What a great week it was for them qualifying for the Euros. It would be even better if it's capped off by the Scotsman winning the W title for a second time. Shot to the midsection, looking for the future shock DDT. Orton blocks it. Kick to the midsection there. And Orton just letting McIntyre run in. McIntyre catched himself, but Orton realising it. A huge right hand. Also, Orton going for a superplex. McIntyre's in all sorts of trouble. Takes him down. But he still can't keep McIntyre down. A foul shot. This is awesome. As Orton's getting up. Looking for the RKO. But a backslide by McIntyre. That's what beat Orton at SummerSlam. Unsuccessful now. Future shock DDT. But still can't put Orton away. Well McIntyre's used that finisher to put many men away. But Orton just in it still. Now McIntyre picking Orton up on the shoulders. Orton fighting it off though. Gets hung up for his troubles. A huge right hand. And through the table. McIntyre's got a different look on his face now. Let Orton away. No. And somehow Orton's in this and McIntyre's wondering what's going to take. And we're going to see the Claymore countdown. McIntyre looking to put Orton away with the Claymore and become champ once again. No, Orton turns it into a power slam. Well, these two men know each other so well now. Been feuding for months. You can see the cut on Orton's back from the table. And now both men on the announce table. And a huge DDT off the announce table onto the floor. Orton's definitely in pain but got the advantage now. And now Orton's going to bring McIntyre in. DDT. Orton looking for the RKO to end this once and for all. 
Here it comes, okay, no, move that the way. Claymore, go for the cover. One, two, three. And Drew McIntyre is your WWE champion yet again. Mr. Two Times, the first British man, not only to hold it for the first time, but to hold the WWE Championship twice. The dream has come through true for Drew here tonight. And what a moment for McIntyre. After losing the title at Hell in a Cell and winning it back now, Drew McIntyre is your WWE Champion. It looked like it was all over with the RKO attempt, but the Claymore and McIntyre is the WWE Champion. And it means now that McIntyre will face Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. And let's just do a little bit of Survivor Series build, because obviously you know that's our next episode. And we had SmackDown on November 20th, and, and not... Not a whole lot happened on, on SmackDown. We'll just run through the results quickly. New Day in the Street Profits versus Ziggler, Rude, Corbin and Zayn. Four scores that win for the team with a giant frog splash. We see Natalia versus Tamina. The winner will join the SmackDown women's team. Tamina took control and he got two counts. Natalia then fought back, hit the, and got the victory. When we see the contract signing between McIntyre, Roman Reigns, this was really cool. Where both men didn't, they didn't need to fight each other. McIntyre saying, in a couple of days of peace, get ready for war. And Reigns saying, in a few years' time, you'll realise that you're going to love me for what I've done for you. The Tribal Chief and McIntyre, absolutely brilliant here. And Murphy getting a victory over Seth Rollins and finally ending that. Looks like Rollins is going to take some time off. In the main event, Daniel Bryan beating Jay Uso. But like I said, it is Survivor Series coming up tonight. And it's the Untaker's Farewell and it will recognise the Phenom's legendary 30-year career. And we are um, on the eve of it. He made his WWE debut at Survivor Series on November 22nd, 1990. So it's to the day. And from his debut with Brother Love to his critically claimed major stars at this year's WrestleMania, Undertaker has been involved in some of the most memorable moments in WWE history. The Deadman rose to the top of the sports and attained with multiple WWE Championship reigns and recorded an astounding undefeated streak at WrestleMania with his first 21 matches and as part of Undertaker's final farewell WWE celebrated 30 years of the dead man throughout November including recently debuted documentaries Meeting the Undertaker WWE Untold The Phenom and Legend Killer as well as The Mortician The Story of Paul Bearer and Brothers of Destruction Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions so we're going to look at 30 days of the dead man and up first we had the WWE Untold with Randy Orton and the Undertaker, of course, October 25th is where it came out. And it all was about Orton's receipt. He had hurt the Undertaker in one of their matches. The Undertaker said, you're going to get your receipt. And Orton didn't know what it meant at that time. I bet he does now. Uh, talk about Orton starting over Ohio Valley Wrestling. Taker wanted to work with Randy uh, when he viewed on the main roster. And the slap that started it, of course, leading to the match at WrestleMania 21. And Taker helped get the RKO over Apparently, really helped with that, especially Chokeslam into the RKO. Uh, Undertaker getting a victory then onto SummerSlam. Orton got his win back, and Bob's bad makeup. That's quite a funny story of what Orton was saying. No Mercy 2005, Orton wins again with a casket on fire. Uh, the turn at Survivor from the Undertaker, really cool entrance and look from the dead man bursting through the casket on fire. And then November 29th, well, after Eddie's death, Orton versus the Carver to the stage and basically kills the Undertaker. Uh, a little bit in poor taste, if you you know, in my eyes. On to Armageddon, Hell in a Cell. The end match was a bit boring, and Bob bleeding, even though he had hepatitis C, 
and he was cut open all over the Undertaker, and this could have led to Undertaker getting hepatitis C virus. Johnny Laurinaitis knew, but still went ahead, um, put the Undertaker's health at risk, and realised how lucky he was just for everything with working with the Undertaker. Randy missed his second Mania match run-through and felt really embarrassed. He knows he's an arsehole, but felt bad letting the Undertaker down. Uh, Undertaker said he's blessed and takes nothing for granted. Uh, not a bad uh, documentary about, you know, the the feud between Orton and Undertaker in 2005. Uh, and it's nice to see Orton, what it means, you know, what Undertaker meant to him. Because you see him getting a little bit teary-eyed. We then had Paul Bearer, the mortician. You know, in my eyes, the Unta- uh, Paul Bearer is really underrated. Started his life as William Bill Moody. Or William or Bill Moody, even. Uh, he buried pets when he was younger. When he was seven or eight, he had his fascination with animals. And that's kind of what he wanted to be. He was a fan of NWA. And uh, we see it from his 2011 interview with him about his fascination as a kid was he loved animals. Or he, lo- he, lo- he loved dead things or burying animals or anything like that. And he wanted to become a professional wrestler. Uh, he had four years in the Air Force. He wrestled for two years and then became personal. Uh, he was uh, started in 85 in Florida. He managed Lex Luger in his first match. He managed Rick Rude in Texas. In 88, he was uh, introduced to Mick Foley. Um, Steve Austin, of course, we know who that is. Matt Bourne, Dink. Uh, take his very first match as well. On June 26, 1987, versus Brody. Paul Bear, Percy Pringle was there in his corner. Interesting notes, because we know the Undertaker debuted November 22nd, 1990. Well, 28th of December, 1990. He signs with WWE. He's having a meeting with Vince. And he's telling Vince, you know, Vince's like, God damn, what do you like? And uh, Paul Bearer's saying, well, funeral director. But man just bursts laughing. He's thinking, why is he laughing for? And then the meeting ends, and he goes home, and he thinks, I think Vince didn't like me because of the way he laughed. He rang up a couple of days later. He says, you do know why I'm ringing you for? Yeah, you know why I laughed as well. Why? He goes, well, we're looking for a manager for the Untaker. Of course, Untaker was managed by Brother Love at that point in time. It's also nice that Rick Rude hooked uh, Paul Bearer up to go with the WWE. And, of course, um, signed January oh, signed 28th of December. January 28th of 1991 becomes the Untaker's manager. And the rest, as they say, is history. It's a nice profile. Would have liked to see more unseen stuff rather than just a Taker career. Of course, the turn on at 96. Uh, Kane's debut in 1997, turning on Kane in 1998, joining the ministry in 1999. Uh, and in 2001, unfortunately, his wife got cancer. Yeah, but he returned to WWE on March 14th, 2004. Uh, he was £525, but the WWE paid and, um, for his gastric band bypass surgery, and he returned. And it's an interesting thing, because they say, why was Paul Bearer never in the ring with the Undertaker at WrestleMania 20? It's because Paul Bearer couldn't. He couldn't get up the stairs. Uh, then, of course, 2009, unfortunately, his wife dying. In 2010, Paul Bearer returned to WWE's part of the Kane, the Undertaker storyline. And in 2013, at the age of 58, he unfortunately died of a heart attack. He was too young. This was a nice tribute um, that they, they did for him on this one. And they were showing a tribute that they did for him after his death. And, of course, until CM Punk showed up. Uh, that led to the mania match between Punk and uh, Undertaker. And of course, with Heyman dressed up as Paul Bearer as well. Maybe a bit of taste, but I think because of the Paul Bearer character and what William Moody was about, you know, his fascination with death. He says at an early age he saw his nan, was kind of fascinated by that. Uh, I, I think he maybe would have dug it. Um, this was great for anybody that didn't know him. For those that did, we could have done with maybe a little bit more commentary. And the other documentary, Brothers of Destruction. 
Um, this was obviously a part of it as well. This is the first time ever both performers were able to let the cave fall down and open up an iconic rivalry. Beginning with a brief reminder of the Undertaker's early beginnings. It doesn't take long for footage is shown of Jacobs taking part in the W triad match in 93. And the event he met his brother for the first time. The two never reminisced about the inaugural match in Smoking Mountain Wrestling. And the Undertaker realised that night he found someone he could do business with. But it didn't happen right away. Kane was brought into WWE as Isaac Yankum. An awful dentist gimmick. And uh, even Undertaker told Vince that this wouldn't work. Years later, we have the idea for Kane. The Undertaker's thought to be dead. Younger brother returned to enact revenge. Even better called to Callaway was the fact that this masked superstar name would be similar to one the Undertaker almost debuted with, which was Kane the Undertaker. During this part of the documentary, footage is shown of Kane at a secret WWE training facility, learning how the character should act in the ring before his 1997 debut. You know, sitting up slowly like the Undertaker, the throat slash the tombstone. It's called Behind a Glimpse of Pre-WK. It's the kind of thing that makes W documentaries can't miss for most wrestling fans. Personally, I could have watched an hour pre-W footage and I find it fascinating. So this quick clip and others like it in the film give a little extra to the appetite of hardcore fans who already watched other documentaries or their brothers of destruction. As explained in the film, Kane vs. Yantake was initially only planned to be a one-off match. They said one-time deal in a 23-year relationship. However, it quickly became evident W was something special on their hands. And they laugh about it, and they laugh about uh, setting Taker's casket ablaze, how hot it was in the ring during the first Inferno match, and fighting over their dead parents' remains. Kane also hilariously recalls asking Callaway to slap him once backstage in order to overcome not wanting to do the same to Undertaker during a conversation. These conversation clips do an effective job illustrating how the respect and admiration for each other only grew as the storyline deepened, which eventually led to a team-up of epic proportions to the Brothers of Destruction. One particularly fun story here sees the two giants discussion match out of SmackDown back in the day. Team of Kyan Tai. The plan finished was Kane hitting the Undertaker's last five power bomb for Nucky. Instead, for Nucky was so much slighter than Jacobs used to, he accidentally flung the wrestler over his head. Then they had to improvise their way out of it on live TV, which made for a memorable experience. Normally, serious wrestlers laughing about this and so much more throughout helps the documentary not feeling like a rehash of anything produced by them in the past. Not once at any point did I feel bored watching this. Said I found myself fully invested in the story being told. As most of you, read, uh, most of you know, she took the character in different directions in 2003 and get rid of the mask. It was the most popular decision, but even Kane saying he did that to kind of uh, reinvent himself and it was more psychological scars as well. You know, you don't really hear the Undertaker random wrestling takes often and to hear it, it is brilliant. And the same goes the fact that Ian Kane can have a good laugh about the match in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel against Shawn Michaels and Triple H. All in all, the Brothers Destruction does a great job humanising two of the scariest men in history, showing how much they meant to each other. It's also successful in keeping its conversational tone throughout the entire feature, allowing viewers to feel like a fly on the wall during a 47-minute conversation. Our story is probably the greatest story ever told in WWE because it never stopped evolving. Calvary quickly told Jacobs at one point, and if you're a fan of them, then you would agree as well. Of course, we've got one more round with Austin. That's coming after Survivor Series here tonight. And the celebration will also include special Undertaker photo galleries, video highlights, him on TikTok, um, being able to speak to him through all other means as well. So tribute to Taker, I mean, top three moments. If you look at Survivor Series, that's some great matches like Edge. So Edge against Batista at uh, Survivor Series 2007, where Edge uh, came in and uh, basically cost Taker the match. But I think the top three you've got to look at for Survivor Series, you start with... Uh, well, it will come in order, basically. So the first one, or number one, would, of course, be his debut in 1990. Because without that, without the character, you would have not really had anything. 
And you can see Ted DiBiase introducing the Undertaker and Brother Love. And you can see the fans really not sure of what they're seeing here. They are really, really scared. And they're really not sure what to do. But of course, his debut here, moving on to his 1991, when he faced Hulk Hogan for the WF title and actually won as well, was such a huge moment for him. And then on tonight, two against Kamala, turning face, you know, to go from you making your debut to beating the biggest guy in the business to being the face and then basically carrying a company on his shoulders until, you know, like I said, we had Shawn Marks and Bret Hart around until Stone Cold came along and he was still a part of that as well. I was trying to think of what my favourite Undertaker match was. And I can't put it there. There were so many moments. He is so kind of ingrained into WWE. There was not a bigger legend. And I think if this is his final farewell, it'd be brilliant. What I feel with this, personally, is that Survivor Series might be his last hurrah. But we will see him for his Hall of Fame speech at WrestleMania. Will be at WrestleMania next year or the following. We don't know. But we talk about his debut. And... Uh, you know, in addition to his final farewell, Survivor Series is one nightly year where Raw squares off with SmackDown. Classic highlight by W Universal Champion Roman Reigns taking on W Champion Drew McIntyre. Raw Women's Champion Oscar versus Sasha Banks. Raw Tag Team Champions New Day against their SmackDown brethren, the Street Profits. United States Champ Bobby Lashley versus IC Champ Sami Zayn, as well as the men's and women's five on five. And if you look through the card, I mean, for the first time in years. W percent of matchup reflects the notion of an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. Imagine how hot such a bout would have been with the slightest bit of build to it. McIntyre's title win marks his first time his W belt has changed hand on Raw since. Ironically enough, Reigns defeats Sheamus on the December 14th, 2015 episode. It's a rarity and may a major reason why the Scots win more than win a title routinely switch hands anywhere else. That is the match I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, you've also got Team Raw, which is Styles, Lee, Seamus, Strowman and Riddle versus Owens, Uso, Corbin, Rollins. And to be determined, so we still don't know who's going to be there. And Team Raw, Jax, Basler, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce versus Bianca Blair, Ruby Wright, Liv Morgan, Natalia. And again, we're not sure, but we'll find out. And like I said, that will be our next episode. And WWE is doing everything in its power to make the final farewell with the Undertaker a huge one. As seen in the past, with the farewells of all fellow legends, superstars come to pay their respect. It's rumoured Kurt Angle would be there. But not only Kurt Angle, they're looking like there's going to bring some legends back from the Bone Street crew. These were the crew back in the day when the clique was formed in WF. The Undertaker was a part of it. And the group consisted of James Harrison, The Undertaker, Savio Vega, Henry Godwin, The Godfather, Midian, Yokozuna, Brian Adams, Rikishi, Paul Bearer and Mr. Fuji. And he even had the BSK tattoo on his stomach. And we thought about maybe Godfather and Savio Vega are confirmed to be part of Survivor Series as well. Of course, Godwin, Midian and Rikishi are still alive. And Heyman could be a guest as well. And of course, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, maybe alongside Vincent Mann. And what about Kane? Kane. Uh, like I said, for a favourite match or moment for the Antex career, it's really, really difficult. When you talk about 30 years... And I think the best place you want to go listen to it is look at The Undertaker. We did a trilogy, and now it's turned um, into something else as well. We've got four Undertaker specials all ready for you to listen, starting from his very first match, his very first debut, leading to his very last match against AJ Styles. That is The Undertaker uh, special tributes that we have done. We'll repost that, of course, tonight as you can prepare for the farewell of the dead man. But that is it for today's show. Our follower of the week is at Beth is a hoot. Uh, don't forget you can follow us across social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. 
Uh, I'm the WRJR. We're also on Facebook, the WR Podcast, and Instagram. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email, WR Podcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, the WR Podcast. we latest clips of podcasts. Got the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher and iTunes, we can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So, that is it. Our next episode is Jaxie Scarlet, Survivor Series 2020. Until then, I have been James Rowlands. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. <laughs>